We've never seen a perfect marriage. But we have seen marriages that are full of laughter and life. Conflict and misunderstandings. Growth and hope. We want to dive into the nuts and bolts of those relationships. There are no experts here. Just real talk with real couples who really like each other. This is Marriage Lab with Aaron and Jenna. Okay, welcome to Marriage Lab. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jenna. <laughs> I'm going to do it normal once. <laughs> My attempt to do it normal just made it high pitched. I think it's going to be disappointing the moment you do go normal. Oh, I don't know that it's possible. I don't know. I have that self, much self control in my body. <laughs> don't be like everyone else. You can't do it. Won't. Can't stop. Won't stop. So, something that was. It was one of the best nights of the year, for sure. Oh, yeah. Friday night, we did an epic karaoke night. So we were planning on going to this little bar up the five. (laughs) And uh, I had called the the diner or the owner a couple times. I could have his phone number. Because they've been closed for COVID. Yeah, and we've come up every year for a while. And he was like, yep, I'll be open. We'll be a private party. It'll be the first time we open. And then the like day before, I called him to check. I was like, Steve, we're still good for Saturday, right? And he was like, you know what? So much has happened since then. Um, there was a fire in yeah, here. <laughs> my wife wants to divorce. I mean, lots of real tragic life stuff. But I was like, I don't think that happened in the time since we last talked 24 hours ago. Yeah. But then we had to pivot majorly. So we had it at our house instead. And it ended up being better. Oh, I would man. Say. I, I don't know why it was so much better. But it just we got people to one to sign up for the karaoke. So it wasn't just like, all right, who wants to go now? So you like had to do a little bit of courage to write your name down. But then and it was like, I'm in. Too. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. And Aaron was the one who like was going around push, you know, like push like a drug pusher, but like pushing the, the karaoke key, not yeah. keyboard, what's it called? Clipboard, which is the you were the perfect person because I think everyone would assume like, oh, Jenna's louder and bigger than me, like personality wise, like she can do it, but not me. But you're more timid and quiet. And they're like, well, right. if Aaron if reserved, Aaron can do it. I guess I have to do it too, you know? Yeah. And you, you didn't take no for an answer. You came oh, back no. a couple I times. I pushed hard. You did. I, but it's karaoke is one of those things. I wanted to be in a, I wanted to be in sync and Backstreet Boys when I was a kid because oh. they freaking got all the girls, one. But then two, they just, I love singing and I love, yeah, I'm not that great of a singer. I was like, you're but- a solid mediocre singer and I'm a solid terrible, terrible singer. <laughs> so it's actually a compliment. <laughs> you're yes. Far better than me. Yeah. So I can, I can definitely carry a tune. Um, but I was just never good. And I, I would try to sing and go like, Hey, what'd you think? And people were like, okay. Yeah. That was, yeah. You know, <laughs> like and they, we do for our daughter now. Exactly. <laughs> and so anyways, but once I got up on the karaoke stage, it was a chance, like oh, everybody, no like expecting you. Ego comes out when Aaron gets up on stage. Cause we've done, like people, every time come after me and I did not expect like he's doing he's jumping off of speakers he's doing like air guitars it's literally his middle school inner boy band yes. is released with it, scary it moved from boy band to like punk band it got way cooler for <laughs> <Yep>. sure yep <laughs> It was. It was cool. No, it's cool. You, I, it's just fun watching you be totally. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I plan it every year is because I love uh, this side of you coming out. It's so fun to see you be so alive. I love it, I love it so much. It's like cool. even if you buzz, you're buzzing when you do it. Even if like nobody was left in the world, 
I would find a karaoke <laughs> stage and I would sing for no one, but just enjoy Because I actually do that in my living room sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We had to do this like video for our daughter's class and he was doing karaoke and it, like, I was like, in my head, everyone's like, oh, he's such a great dad. I was like, I mean, he is, yes, a great dad, but he's doing that because he well, loves it, it for too. Me. It was it was 100%, 100% for, for you. Me. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page. I thought you were giving me a look like, what? Um, no. no, it was so selfless. No, so <laughs> anyways, it was a blast and we even... Like everybody participated, mm-hmm. everybody sang along with everybody. So honestly, there was a little part of me that was bummed to not be the the center sole of center of attention, <laughs> so that you could hear. Because I practiced okay, for some the, of the record songs. that I've never heard you say that in real life that you've been bummed to not be the <laughs> sole center of attention. This is me, babe. Yep, it's this me. Inner karaoke, Aaron. It's different. Yeah, so everyone could see the lyrics because it was in our living room instead of like at a bar. So it was to me, it was so much more fun because it was group participation. It wasn't like a one man show. Sang. It, it was, was like a giant awesome. sing-along yes, for adults. It was And fantastic. people were like, I put all these chairs out so they could sit, but they were like headbanging and dancing, dancing in the back because you couldn't sit still to like all the classics that we all love, yeah. you know? And I heard um, different people say like, that was one of the funnest times I've ever had. Like yeah. that was the best night of the year for me. Um, and there was like a level of letting loose and not holding, not being reserved and not trying to play it cool and and for the record like yes there was alcohol there but no i don't think anybody was even buzzed or drunk like i was buzzed oh okay <laughs> well That's... the rest to be i feel like sometimes people could be like they assume everyone was drunk that's oh, why sure. they had like liquid courage but i was like no it was like the energy ramped up and it was kind of like ever once they realized we were all in when you went up there it was like more fun to be oh, all yeah. in and it was like everybody bought in and it was cool because like i don't know i always process we always process after social events Aaron yeah. and i are like dissecting things like what about this dynamic and that one too where we get when this person nerdy. did this and yeah. what do you think they were like they were kind of breaking out of their shell you think that was like a big moment for them and like it's so but so we were talking about how like oh like there's a level of actually it's funny so i did this internship at our church like years ago and it was like um after three years of ministry school and you're supposed to like write down your core values it's literally like a 20 page packet I remember sitting down with my mentor and going through my pastor mentor, what my core value was. And like my main one was fun. And I started crying because I was like, fun can't be a core value. Like it's so not spiritual. Yeah. Like responsibility is fun. But, but as I've like grown in that and understand it more, like I think there's like a level of fun that requires like, that's like silly and requires like a confidence in who you're because when you're silly it's almost like you're the butt of the joke like you mm-hmm. could be laughed at or whatever or criticized or um you're not getting cool points for being silly yeah. so your identity and has to be rooted in deeper than what people are going to think or like potentially say about you or their opinions you have to like it's almost like you're doing it for you not because yeah. of this is going to make me cooler in your eyes you know and um and there's like a level of vulnerability in it too um and the fun and watching everybody do that that night i was like i feel like we all got like breakthrough like i feel i think everyone who came i left feeling like i knew them and were closer to them more and i i also felt like really grateful that they chose to show up because you can't make you can't make people like they have to have felt safe they have to have seen other people like this is and it was like this group buy-in of like this is what we're doing and um yeah so i felt like grateful that they all chose and that they felt safe enough and trusted us and whatever it felt like actually really special (laughs) it was like a group vulnerability session that we are all like cheering each other on for cracking open the you know the exterior and then letting people in on the inner inner child inner silliness 
Yeah. And just getting vulnerable and everybody was just so championing everyone else in the midst of it and being a part of their experience. It was, Mm. it was epic. It's funny because I think like a lot of times people can say like, oh yeah, like they, fun and funny are very different. I think we use them interchangeably a lot nowadays, especially as adults. Cause like kids are like, yeah, you should have fun. You should play. You're a kid, but adults playing and fun. It's almost like we make play funny. So like I'm um, funny, like we laughed a lot or et cetera, like when we hung out with, but I think like funny is like jokes, which is usually like word humor or um, honestly about situational humor or about other people. It's like sometimes sarcasm that is really passive aggressive truths that you're not willing to say. So like, I think we think we have fun, but I think oftentimes it's like, we laughed a lot. You're like, and that's different. There's like this element of vulnerability to fun and play that I would say is more like play. play, Yeah. yeah. To play. And as adults to play, it feels like really, really special to get there. So yeah. So it was so great. Loved it. Loved it. I, um, it was funny because I thought I I had a song when I actually practiced the words because I'm terrible with words too. I just summarize everything. Like <laughs> I can't even <laughs> literally truly cannot quote myself accurately. Yeah. <laughs> it's like definitely. you didn't say that. I'm like, I really thought I did. But it though. was the general thing and that's what was important. So I found that lyrics does not serve you well to have that philosophy. <laughs> the general I'm like, oh my gosh. So I practiced this one song and I was like, I probably sounded good, right? Or like better, not good. I'm not disillusioned to think I'd ever sound good. And I I heard reheard my I was like, oh gosh, nope, nope. <laughs> Should have just turned <laughs> off my microphone next time. It hurt my ears listening. Oh, so that's bad. funny. Well, I don't have a great segue, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ben and Sheena George are super cool folks. And They're like, our guests on tonight. They and are. And they have even just hearing about their lives beforehand. I think you'll be in awe. And yeah, they have like, a super a unique. They've done some wild stuff and um, they are really unique people and um, super kind and fun. Like yeah. we have a, a great time talking to them. Generous. Yeah. And generous. And they yeah. gave away a baby. That's like the epitome of generous. <laughs> Yeah, that's you'll hear about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Teaser alert. Happy listening. You'll probably never get that from me at any point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shoot. Well, we have Ben and Sheena George with us. Welcome, guys. Hey guys. Hey, hey, great to be here. We're longtime listeners of the show, so it's good to be on here. We you, love you do guys. You call it a show? We're big fans. I'm new to podcasting. Do you call it podcasting? I like show better. Yeah, that okay, sounded good. cooler. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're a big deal. So you guys, if you you can probably tell the audio quality by hearing this, it's going to be totally different than before because we're doing our first virtual one, and you guys are in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We wanted to make it work. And this was, oh man, oh, 30, like 30, minutes. 30 minutes in the They making. are patient. <laughs> so thank you guys. Hey, we're troopers, man. We're happy to be here. Yeah, you are. Fun fact about them is they actually, how long did you live? Okay. I'm terrible at pronouncing it. Nicaragua. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nic- uh, that was okay. Yeah. Good, Aaron. Thanks, if, you wanna, if you want to say it, you know, the local way you could say Nicaragua. Yeah, there's no way that'll ever happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a crazy battle with that all the that time bien. because people will ask me, well, where did you guys live? And I'll be like, okay, I lived there for seven years. So I should say it right, right? Like I should be like, right. I know where I lived. 
But then when I say it, I sound kind of like snotty because I'm like, I always thought that. Yeah, I always thought that same thing. Like, yeah, we were just traveling to Bolivia. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. then we went to Barcelona. And was, it feels I'm like, so I told somebody how I get annoyed when people do that. And they're like, so you get annoyed when people say it the right way? And I was yeah. like, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So I was in the same boat until I was having that experience myself because for me to say Nicaragua sounds really weird and almost like oh. disrespectful to like where we're from in a yeah. way, you know, because we spent enough time. It we sounds felt like, like this we is never home. connected with the culture. <laughs> yeah. So it's a real struggle. You're like, do I sound like a prick or do I say <laughs> this? Do I say this word wrong? So which so. have you chosen? Uh, back, you go back and forth. Yeah, you go back and forth. It never, nothing ever feels right. Even okay. in the same conversation, I'll go back. Well, and how forth. about this, Ben and Sheena? Um, where did you live for a good number of years? And how many years was that? <laughs> seven six and years. A half. Okay, six wow. and a half. I always round up. Oh, okay. Yeah, she rounds up. It was six and a half. Seven sounds better. Oh, that's it so was, authentic. It was Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got both of them in there. Okay. Okay. When you moved down, how many kids did you have? And then how many did you kids do you have there? So we had three children. Our oldest was four, about to turn five, and our youngest was 10 months old. Right. Yeah. She wow. turned one a little yeah. after. So. And you'd been married how long at that point? Um, that's a good question. Seven good years. Because 2014. Right, yep. okay. yeah. half, of our mar- half of our married life was in Nicaragua then. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Just why put did that you, together. Why did you do that? Why'd you move it? <laughs> you we made it sound like know. a bad idea. It was a great yeah. idea. Well, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I know we know we know how much Aaron loves to travel. So um, <laughs> we we fell in love with the place. We started going down, going down there with the church years ago, and something inside us just really came alive when we were there. Yeah. And um, really, it was it was like a call, you know. Um, we both wanted to be missionaries since we're 13, like felt called by God and had traveled a few different places and everywhere we go, we fall in love with and we like it. But there was just something really special about Nicaragua that when we went there, like our hearts came alive. It just felt like this Mm -hmm. is where we want to land when we leave. And so we did. I I give you like infinite BA points for moving down there with three children, one that was not a year yet, having more kids down there. I mean, like, yeah, I I feel like three kids has kicked my butt in a very comfy suburban American lifestyle. So like doing that, I'm like, yeah, you guys that are sounds really the hard. Real deal. And so what did you, um, you guys started a business down there. Can you tell us about that? This is fun. Your business. Yeah. Owner. So we started an ice cream company when we got down there. The goal was to work with at-risk kids and to do business. Um, and everybody was always asking if they were going to be like one would support the other. Um, but it was never that. We loved business and we were very passionate about justice for children and families. And so um, we started an ice cream company and it we started it thinking it would be kind of a mom and pop situation. And um, we put up this big sign on the outside of our shop that said, the best ice cream of your life is about to come. And we had the date there. Something <laughs> okay, like that. Okay, did that make mm-hmm. you apprehensive at all? Because like that claim, <laughs> or, did you know you could deliver? Yeah. So yeah, we knew we were going to deliver a long time prepping. We'd made a lot of ice cream. And at first we thought, we'll make really good ice cream and Nicaraguans will love it because there's not amazing ice cream there. And the farther we got into obsessing over the product and the science behind ice cream and all of that and the creativity, which is 
part of what we just love, um, we realized we had something really special. And um, so we opened our door to a line and sold out what time? Seven o'clock the next day. Mm-hmm. Wow. We, we'd spent a week making ice cream and we sold out in less than two days. Oh my gosh. Um, sold out to a line. Like we had to tell them, sorry, there's yeah. nothing left. Um, yeah. yeah. The first few months were like that. We'd, we'd make ice cream. We'd take Mondays off and then we'd make ice cream Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, open our doors Thursday, sell out by Sunday wow. and close the doors, take one day off. It was it was a lot. It was like 14 hour days, Woof. six days a week. We just forced ourselves to not work one day and we needed yeah. it. It's interesting because when people hear about success, I think they like, they feel like, that's so awesome. I want that. But then when you hear like what it takes, you're like, oh yeah. Like I remember when I started Turbans for Tots at the beginning, people like, one lady was like, I'm, I'm interested. Like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm working like 70 hour weeks. And she's like, oh, I'm out. Like the conversation <laughs> just ended. I was totally. like, <laughs> not interested in that. <laughs> Yeah. But then you grew to a franchise, right? How many did you have at the height? We went up to five stores. um, Two of those were corporate, right? Yeah, we had two corporate stores at that time, three franchises. And we were just selling the sixth one when the revolution broke out and sales just plummeted everywhere. Everything shut down. Like the way that everything shut down for COVID, it shut down there because there were people getting gunned down in the streets and it was, Mm. it was, you know, chaos. Yeah. And, and the, the economy just took a hit that it didn't recover from. Right. And it slowly started climbing back up a couple of years later. And then COVID hit there. And um, it, yeah, it can just hit harder over there than mm-hmm. it does here. It hits hard and fast here, but there it's kind of like this slow burn that just takes a while to recover. So um, the ice cream company is still functioning and it's, um, you know, it's there. I think we're up to five stores again. We're about to be opening a sixth one here soon, but the economy is still, is still weak. It got, it's, it got set back probably six years, eight years, depending on what happens, Whoa. um, politically there. And they were already uh, behind from previous civil wars and, yeah. you know, hurricanes and things that had happened there. And so Nicaragua is, um, one of the more developing nations in that region. Um, one of the poorer nations, um, but it's a really special one and we have a lot of hope for what's happening there. And it's yep. kind of exciting to see even in the midst of things being hard, we have incredible partners that are Nicaraguan. Now mm. I don't know what to say. Nicaraguan. We'll, no, just, you, we'll just be you, American you right be now. You be you. No, it's great. Well, <laughs> the reality is I don't even say it perfectly. Like a Nicaraguan will be like, just say it like an American. <laughs> you can't say it right. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, they're doing an incredible job. So to see them being so consistent, Ben mm. and I really love to build and we have a lot of fun in the creating stage of business, but the maintaining part is a little bit of like a slow, painful yeah, death for us. <laughs> <laughs> Says I, I, If Ben's a seven on the Enneagram, that is very true for your personality. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, we are not married to... Aaron, either of us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. I won't Aaron share it with you, Ben. <laughs> oh, that's why you guys Aaron us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And at some point, I had always had it on my dream list to take our family on a missions trip to partner with you guys because I loved how you're doing family there. So we have to go back at least once. Can we get like a verbal confirmation, oh, yeah. a binding contract yeah. on air? <laughs> yes. We're going to take This is recorded, back. right? Let's go. Yeah. We're into it. We need to go it's, back. There, I feel like there are a handful of families, like specifically families. There's something about like the way that we were able to do ministry there um, 
Nicaragua is so family oriented that it just makes sense to be family while you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we figured out how to do it. Like it's, a, there are aspects of it that are a stretch and travels different and things like that. And you don't have air conditioning everywhere, but it's really an incredible experience to do with kids. So mm-hmm. we're going to take teams back probably from our church here. And that's great. Um, and I kind of just want to do friend trips back too, where we do oh, like yeah. some missions and then we hit the beach mm-hmm. for a week. You know? Oh, sign me up for that. Yes. Missions oh, right. <laughs> and ice cream. Ice cream needs beach. to be included as well. <laughs> oh yeah. There will be ice cream. Yeah. So when did you guys move back? When was the revolution? So, one, two, oh, we didn't questions. move. Oh, okay. Right. Yes. Thank you, Jenna. That's a good point. So we, the revolution was 2018 and we stayed for um, two more years after oh, that, wow. past that. And um, we moved back last July. So July 2020, we got a repatriation flight from the Canadian embassy because all the flights were canceled for COVID. We were the last flight out of Nicaragua for a couple months. Oh, wow. Showed up to the airport with all of our belongings, like sold everything, like (laughs) everything we could pack in like 10 boxes, not knowing if the flight was going to go or not. (laughs) That's so insane. And it went out. It went out and we made it here. Yeah, the company that sold us the tickets, it was kind of this like moment that felt like a giant scam, you know, because yeah. you weren't like buying through United or anything. You had to like wire money to this bank account. Mm-hmm. And so we were, were kind of like Nigerian princes that were connected. I just had this like I was Canadians like texting a lady pictures of my passport. Oh wow. It was but like it all made these it. little you guys got a minute. Yeah. How old was it. your youngest <laughs> at that point? Okay, so we have five children now. So we, um, our youngest was three months, three or four wow. months. Yeah. yeah, you guys have balls. I yeah, just a little Big. guy. I mean, sorry, balls. Sheena, but yeah, <laughs> you do as well. <laughs> Why is it balls? I, <laughs> That's good. Show. I think you got, I think we got it backwards. Yeah, yeah oh, we got. It backwards. I don't. Well, that would be weird. You guys got. A big vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Another cool thing. I'm sure you wouldn't bring this up casually, but I think it's really cool how you were a surrogate. A surrogate. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Two. That was an under what child? What was the order that you did that pregnancy? So that was, we moved there with three and my fourth pregnancy was um, the surrogacy. Wow. And that was our, our friends in California and um, they have a, a little girl. Havila wow. that was born. So oh yeah. My gosh. Watching you walk that out, I was like, that's like the most selfless thing to witness. And like, yeah. I'm just so impressed on a lot of levels. Yeah. That was a, a really incredible experience and something that like only God could do. Like the whole the whole thing. It was even our initial reaction to the question came from the Lord, not from our friends. Oh um, really? And we were interacting with them and and like God asked me, like, would you have a child for them? And my initial reaction was, I'll, I'll be really honest. It was hell no. Like inside <laughs> my head, hell no. And, um, and that makes me a feel lot- a little better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think story, my, my third, she was three months old or four months old when that happened. Yeah. And so th- there's a whole story and details behind it. But by the end of the night, both of us, like God, transitioned our hearts really fast that night we were like maybe we would like there's details behind it but yeah yeah so it was really cool really amazing experience she brought it up to me and i was like i don't know about that and like 15 minutes later the presence of god is there we're just processing and talking through it we're like yeah i bet we would i bet we'd do it if they wanted to (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my yeah. gosh, you guys. That is really impressive. Yeah, we did. I feel like we could end the podcast there. We'd all walk away being like, we have a lot to think about <laughs> from yeah, everything yeah. we just said. Or these Moving are the in, coolest yeah, people, people ever. ever. But there's not like an yeah. aloof bone in your body, which is I think what I really love about y'all is that you're just authentic and creative, but there's not like, you're not putting on airs or trying to be or do anything or have an image. It's just a true expression of who you guys are and like what you feel like the Lord's doing. So. I think that's what I really am attracted to about you guys from from watching you do life for the last decade. So that's encouraging because I'm a three. (laughs) (laughs) Stroke that ego. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that is like I'm still learning all the Enneagram stuff, but that is one of the main things I hear and I hate. It's like a lack of authenticity because you care so much about your image Uh, is is what I've the little Mm. bits I've read. And so. I, I feel like I'm an authentic person and I'm sure I'm growing in things, but we, I have moments, even today, stepping into this podcast, we, we had an, an interestingly hard disconnected day. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I've that's... cried, I've cried a number of times today. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's unpack that. Yeah. Mm. I am, we got I'm... too excited about that. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, you did. <laughs> Your eyes lit up. <laughs> Bleed on the microphone for us. <laughs> We tricked you into doing a counseling ex- like experience that we're just gonna like let everybody hear. It's pretty much yeah, the premise. But we have no advice. We're just gonna go, man, that sucks. Yeah, leave so- your open mind. <laughs> oh, that, that sucks so bad for you guys. <laughs> so I'm living in Nicaragua, like being in a new culture and having a lot of kids and running a business. Um, was it difficult? What was connection like for you guys as a couple while you were down there? It was, we'd always been best friends. Like some people get married and they're so different that they have to find common interests. Mm -hmm. Um, And we loved a lot of the same things um, and had a lot of fun together. Um, But the amount of stressors that we dealt with as soon as we got there, it just was like, it kept intensifying. And um I feel like I heard in one of your podcasts, somebody say this, but it was one of those things where we'd see other marriages fall apart and we'd be like, oh, we're, we don't have that thing going on. So that could never be us or whatever. Just comparing it. Yeah. Like comparison that didn't really matter, but we got, it was just like a lot of stuff like that. But then we got like, what, three or four years in and both of us were like, whoa, like our fights were different. Like something's happening and we're really like disconnected. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how to fix it. Like we mm. kept every time we discuss it, it was like the more we talked, the more pain we caused. Yeah. And and like the more it would feel like we're so different now and we weren't so different to start with, like what's happened. Yeah. Um, and we were just continuing to hurt pe- each other a lot. I think that started in Nicaragua. I think it had to do with yeah. season of life, just timing. Yeah. We, when we, we were first married, like we, we were – we were in love, having a good time, like love to be around each other. It was honestly, it was easy. The first few years of marriage were pretty easy. Yeah. Just to, just really liked, enjoyed each other. Mm-hmm. And um, so about the time we got to Nicaragua, I think we hit enough life stuff mm-hmm. and external stressors that like Chino's saying, we started to grow apart. And that was when we realized like, oh, we could, um, we could lose this. You know, if we stay on this course, in six years or eight years or 10 years or whatever, three, like, well, yeah, we could be, <laughs> we're going to hate each other. We could be yeah. done, you know? Wow. And, and we realized, okay, so we got to fix that. Cause we're not going there. Yeah. Um, so what did you do? Um, we tried, we tried a few different counselors. 
um, tried talking to friends now and again, tried to connect. And w- w- for us, marriage counseling and in, in, a, in a, like a prophetic environment too, it always kind of felt not all like, of our listeners know what that word means. So maybe okay. like give the layman's version. Yeah. Word. So um, in this context, prophetic environment would be like where when you're doing counseling, people are like really actively listening to the Lord and like kind of digging in and trying to like almost like do heart surgery on you mm-hmm. um, in a way. And so, so for us in some of the counseling that we've done, it, it kind of felt like people are trying to to fix you, you know, in a way they're like, Oh, what's wrong? Where, where can we find what's wrong? How can we help them connect? And so people are like throwing out this thing or that thing, or here's something that worked for us. And, and for us, like it just never really landed at home. You know, it was always kind of sorting through after, you know, we didn't do a ton of counseling, but we were just like actively looking to get help because, you know, living abroad, um, one thing you deal with is isolation yeah, a lot. And there's people you can't, it's, it's really, really difficult to connect with, with the culture. It takes a lot of time and especially some, something that's really deep, like, um, you know, marital issues or just wanting to connect more with your, with your spouse. Um, really hard to do that in another language and culture. So we're pulling on resources back home just cause we, we didn't really have friends that were sitting around talking with all the time. You could just process, you know, externally and, and all of that. So, um, that to say, uh, I think for a, n- a number of years down there, we just kind of did the best we could until we ran into what, we refer to as a wizard of, of counseling, <laughs> which is, I think you guys know the connection codes. I think you've had people oh, on right. here. Yeah. We've heard coders. So people talk about that. We, um, we met Dr. Glenn and, um, things switched for us instantly. Like we went from drawing apart and, you know, just one session with him to like heading towards each other quickly. Wow. And, um, it was amazing. It just transformed yeah. the way we connected. And we left that one session. Um, we'd had a bunch of friends kind of gather around us because, you know, we were far away um, and we we're communicating like, oh, we feel like we need some help with some stuff. And um, and people kept saying, you got to meet with Glenn. You got to meet with Glenn. And we were like actively trying to figure it out. But we were, we were very busy people and we we tend to keep our lives pretty full. Um, and we had one friend in particular that one day started writing Ben and he's like, um, what's your, he was just asking for information for Ben. What's your email address? Yeah. When's your birthday? What's your address? Like, and we're like, what are you doing? And he got to like, Sheena's maiden. He's like, what's Sheena's maiden name? I was like, <laughs> are you heck? filling out, are you filling out our intake form? <laughs> Did you really like, connect yes. the dots? At that point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, yes. I was like, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I mean, even to the point where we had, the first six sessions, which it's not cheap. Yeah. People, pay, people paid for them. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Like one friend filled out the intake form and one friend paid for like our first sessions. And wow. Then we were even we're like in. the missions pastors at Bethel covered a couple sessions. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it was Bethel. I don't know, but someone, I love somebody we, over there. <laughs> I love that we have a culture that sees the value and will invest in it for other people. Like that to me speaks like there's like shame so far gone from getting help that it's like, no, like we all see the value in this. Right. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I think that we're both really independent. And so it was easy for us. I feel like we could have gotten help faster. Oh, uh, like okay. If if we had 
especially because we were always so good at working everything out. Like we could talk through anything. Mm. And so even when we weren't figuring it out and it was getting more painful, we were a little bit stubborn, like, Oh, we just got to keep pushing through. We just, we're busy right now. We'll find time, things like that. And so I think some of it went too far. And so Mm. we started meeting with Glenn and we immediately started moving back towards each other. But then it was this weird thing. Like, once we started experiencing connection, if we had a disconnect, it was like a massive blow up, like that oh. scared us. <laughs> um, oh, okay. And, and so dangerous. we had like one particular massive blow up. Like we'd never had the like screaming at each other blow ups. Um, but we had one that was like shouting at each other after mm-hmm. having like had this really good session with Glenn. Um, and like, I think, some of our kids woke up and came downstairs and we were like, go back upstairs. You know, like you don't want to be around this. It was like this moment that was like, well, this is really scary. Yeah. Um, I broke a chair. Oh yeah. Ben broke a chair. Wow. What do you think? Like, what was it? Have you figured <laughs> <Wow>. out? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So we, we met with Glenn like as fast as we could the next day. Um, because we we're like, uh, like we thought we were fixed and we're broken. Like this is horrible. And he was like, Oh, I forgot to warn you guys. Like, Once you experience deep connection again, like you used to be like, it used to be normal for you to be disconnected. So it was kind of numb for you. He's like, but now you're really vulnerable and it's going to hurt like really bad now. Um, So great. Thanks, Glenn. We're like, we could have used a warning because it was like, it was, it was bad. It was So the difference is when you guys were disconnected, your hearts aren't really open to each other. You're not vulnerable. So whatever the fights that you do have are pretty protective And like, I'm not going to let, I'm not, I haven't let you in in a long time. So you're not going to really touch something raw, vulnerable. But as soon as you did open up, it made like all the meaty parts extra sensitive. Is that so? Definitely. I mean, it's similar to like when you do an elimination diet, like you do the whole 30 or something and you cut out all these things and you start bringing them back in. It's like you've been eating sugar for a long time. You've been eating dairy for a long time, but then you take it out of your life. Your gut heals and you have a bite of cheese one day and you're like in the bathroom, like it hurts so bad. So, yeah, yeah. I think I would agree with what you described, Aaron, but I would describe it a little bit differently because I think all, all along the way we were vulnerable with each other. We were open with each other. We just didn't know how. Yeah, to do that's it. true. Yeah. And so it wasn't it wasn't like we're choosing to to walk away or we're choosing to close off from each other, just like we're just stuck. We just need help. And so what the connection codes did for us and Dr. Glenn was just like give us a method, like a tried and true way. It's like he's not like looking for problems. He's like, "Hey, here's how you do it." Teaching us how to do it. And it got us like so close emotionally, like so closely connected to each other that it was can you intense. describe that first session and what he what tools was it a tool that he gave you that you tried that suddenly yeah. worked so well can you describe that yeah it's really simple so the connection codes just has to do with um sharing what's happening for you as an individual in in terms of your emotions so there's this thing called the wheel and the wheel is eight core emotions and he he, he he's a genius like 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 a freak. He's like a unicorn when it comes to emotional <laughs> connectivity. Uh-huh. Seriously. Like I could explain that, uh, you know, I, I, w- I won't, but go into the detail, <laughs> but he's, 
his story and just like, he's just an emotional genius. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Right. So he's broken it down into eight core emotions. And so you only communicate out of those eight core emotions. Okay. And those are joy is like the center of all those. And a lot of them are things that we would consider to be like bad or negative. But the theory is like, there's really no bad or negative emotion. That mm. emotion is the human experience. That's to be so alive good. Is to, is to feel. So um, there's joy, there's um, anger, fear, loneliness, sadness, pain. Um, no pain's not one. Hurt. Couple other, hurt, 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 yeah. Sad, lonely, guilt, shame. Guilt, shame. Yeah. So basically what you do is you just go to your, your partner and you're, and you're like, Oh, Hey, I'm, I've been feeling some sadness today. And they're like, Oh, what happened? And that, Oh, is basically all you ever do when someone shares their emotion. It could be mm-hmm. a few different things. It could be like, Oh, or an, ah, or a, Oh my, or whatever. But it's just like that position of like, Ooh, I want to hear. Like you just said something hurt you or you just said something was sad. Like I want to get into that. So is it in, a, in your, the purpose of it is to be inquisitive or is it to be empathetic or is it empathetic? Okay. Yeah. It's a combo. It's both. Yeah. It's, it's so that it's actually scientific. That sound that you make when you say, Oh, is like a sound where people feel heard. Oh, oh that's, that's an awesome, awesome tool you, right there. And then you follow it with what happened and watch yourself. Next time your kids get hurt, you're going to notice you're going to do those things. You just do them naturally. They fall down. They're like, Oh, what happened? You do it every single time. Someone's hurt. Like someone comes up to you bleeding. You're like, Oh, what is it? What happened to you? You know? And so it's basically just mimicking that. And the, the theory is like people are hurt on the inside. You just don't see the wound. Right. And so, mm-hmm. You don't connect with it. So what the, the problem that we were having before is when we would have a fight or a disconnect, one of us would be like, well, you, you, you did this and you, and, and you said that. And it, I felt this way when it happened. And it, it gets you in this cycle of like suddenly trying to be like, oh, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't mean that. No, when I said that, what I was trying to do. And so you're suddenly explaining yourself away. Mm-hmm. And then all the other person did was wanted to come and connect with you with what happened with them. So, the so you're kid, like having a court case instead. Uh, okay. Yeah, you go back and forth. And so we would, like we would find really... ourselves in these discussions where, um, where we're no longer like connecting anymore. We're just talking about what actually happened. And we're going back and explaining, oh, what I meant was this and that. So um, the connection coach is you just get rid of all that. You just exit all. And you you basically say whatever happened for, for Sheena is a hundred percent true. This is her experience. And whatever she's going to communicate to me is the truth for, you know, hundred percent. I'm going to have my own and it's probably different. And mine is also hundred percent true. So when your spouse is, is can, you know, connecting with you, sharing something with you, you only ever believe them. You only ever connect with them. Mm-hmm. You never argue with what they're saying. Cause that is what happened for them. I mean, Glenn says like, this is the communication skills we were born with. Like when a baby Mm. has pain, he cries. Like he never hesitates. Glenn will say this. He never hesitates and goes, oh, it's 2 a.m. My mom must be sleeping. I think I'll wait till the morning. (laughs) Like that baby just cries. He just communicates what he needs, he or she needs. And so like, it's the most basic of communication that we were born with as humans. And we were taught along the way like, oh, that's an inappropriate time or like, oh, you need to be quieter or, you know, we get taught not to communicate um, because it 
is uncomfortable for people or whatever. Um, And now it is the most basic human communication for me to learn, but it's actually a lot of work to learn how to do it again, because I've been taught for years how to not do it. Um, And so even though Ben's saying like, it's the most simple thing and it has a formula to actually train yourself to do it right, it takes a lot of commitment. I'm thinking of how defensive I get on a regular basis, even when she's giving me a really good emotional message. You just have to let that go. Often, and one of this become has become one of our uh, disagreements that we have is that um, Ben will share something vulnerable, you know, some emotion that he's having, and it will trigger because I'm I'm actually worse at noticing my emotions too. I'll just oh, okay. charge, charge through my day and multitask and do all these things, and then things will come out, you know at inopportune moments, which Glenn would say that doesn't exist, but, um, (laughs) but, um, but like one of those moments, which is not ideal is right when Ben has shared something like, Oh, I feel really sad because I don't know. I'm not good at bringing up examples because of this thing. Then I might like suddenly just be flooded with shame or sadness Mm -hmm. or loneliness or something like that. And I'll be like, well, the only reason I was there was because I was flooded with fear or with, you know, whatever was going on. And it's really hard for me to address sometimes often. It's hard for me to address that emotion that he brought up when I feel like it's way after the fact of the whole reason that happened. Does that make sense? Mm. Like I kind of suddenly I'm like, Oh, but like that doesn't even matter yet until you know, like what's happened to me all day long or whatever. And I don't actually mean that like his emotion doesn't matter it's just actually hard for me to connect with it mm-hmm. until the and part of that is because I'm an external processor and it takes me a while to like, so I have to like get through the whole thing before I can, I'm, I'm not as quick as Ben at just like, Oh, and connecting and moving on. Mm-hmm. And I have been, I mean, I've grown in some ways and then I have bad days and good days and whatever, but it's not natural for me. I had a question. So do you guys have, we have kind of like a reoccurring pain point that comes up with different lenses, like different situations will hit it in different seasons. Do you guys have like, for lack of, to like simplify it, like a reoccurring fight or pain point in your own marriage? Have you seen it resurface with different things or yeah? Yeah. I mean, the example that I just brought up was probably one of them. We've, we've learned some, some tools with Glenn, which I feel like I need a refresher. I wish he was just like my next door neighbor. So I could go ask him <laughs> questions. Mm. Um, but, um, and, and that was that thing where like, I just need to earmark that emotion or even just say, Ooh, pain. Let's get back to that. And then I can connect with his emotion, but I was able to vocalize something that came up in me or flooded me or whatever. So, but me not doing that is one of those things that mm. happens. And then Ben's like, Oh, I am so happy to deal with your, whatever it is, sadness, pain, loneliness, whatever those are. Um, at any point, except right at this moment, can you connect with what I just brought up? You know? Oh, that's and good. So, yeah. That's been one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always used to say to Sina, you can confront me anytime, like anytime you want, you know, any hour of the day, except for directly after I've confronted you with something like, mm-hmm. 
respond to what I said first and then go, you know, because <laughs> it would be like, I would just feel like attacked over each other. I'd just be like, oh, well, yeah, well, let me tell you why. <laughs> let me tell because you, you suck. <laughs> but, you know, though, but to answer that question too, um, I would say, I think before we learn this method, I remember there being some things that came up. Now we do have one that kind of keeps coming back around again that we'll get into, I think a little bit, but there used to be like these three topics and they would just come back around. Right. Mm -hmm. Here we are again talking about this thing. And I do not remember what those are, but I remember that they were there. That's nice. But um, That totally shows so much growth that, you know, you can't listen anymore. I, I think that we were like trying to understand each other and trying to explain it way too much you know it's like we needed to come together almost like we're here and we're here oh you guys can't see my hands are spread apart we're we're two different we're in two different islands and we're trying to find common ground between right and now we don't do that anymore we don't need common ground because her island is 100 percent true and mine is 100 percent true so i trust her and believe her whatever she said it's just like oh my gosh that is really hard like your experience was hard that you know i could tell that hurt and then then I'll process all mine. And when you do that, it's like suddenly these things go away. Have you ever had a kid um, cry, like they get sad or, or they fall and they're hurt, but they're not really that hurt? Yeah. You know, and they, they, and you're like, oh my gosh, come here. And you pick them up and they hold them and they cry. And they're like, okay. And they just run off like yeah. a couple of minutes later. We all need that. Like all we need to know is that someone actually cared. Like, look, I'm bleeding. Do you care that I'm bleeding? Totally. Oh my gosh, you're bleeding and that hurt. Oh man. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm good now. And so the things, the things so just go true. away, I think. So there are, you know, the topic for us, that has been, I think been coming around more and more these days is, is like when we talk about sex or we get vulnerable about like, Hey, here's some things that I would like, like, you know, this would be really fun for me. Or what would you think about this or that? Mm-hmm. The, there's some triggering that happens there in a lot of fields. And so I think that one keeps coming around. It's, it's more, it's not really a fight, I wouldn't say. It's more just yeah. like a, there's a lot of feelings happening there. It's more triggering. Like it's more like with Glenn, the other side of Glenn, which you probably heard about with all the other connection coders, is the like sexual intimacy as well. Oh, you know, okay. like he, he brings in I've heard this, Phyllis is spicy. Oh, she's spicy. Yeah. She's but real spicy. He brings in these From like – what Glenn says. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Secondhand information. Whew. Well, <sighs> Yeah. Um, but he brings in, he's a, he's a sex therapist, right? Isn't that the word? Yes. The title. Oh, I didn't realize he was. Um, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, he's got all, that's part of what we love about Glenn is he doesn't just have good ideas. He's also like, he has the science behind all of it. So like everything is like wrapped into one big, like it meets every level for us. Um, but there were like massive changes and growth that happened in our sex life from meeting with Glenn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a lot of adventure and a lot of fun um, and a lot of like connection led to more intimacy, mm-hmm. but then also like the intimacy grew as well. Like the connection was growing, the intimacy started to grow and become its own thing. Own thing. Um, but then I feel like right now is that moment where some of the, the, triggers from before are starting to like surface a little bit in sure in that world mm-hmm. and um it's like it's like really good weeks and then like 
we feel like, oh, we're back at ground zero again. It was actually right. listening to your podcast with Charity and Geo, and she said something about how she has to tell herself the truth, you know, like, cause uh, she just yeah, feels like, the, oh, the narrative. She has to yes. change it. And that, that was actually like, I wrote it down while she was saying it. Like, it was just like, oh yeah, like that's really good because we are kind of all or nothing people. Um, and we can be very idealistic and oftentimes, um, things are like really good and we're on cloud nine and we're like, we would never want to be anywhere else or with anyone else and the whole thing. And then we have a disconnect. Um, I think it generally happens emotionally and then happens as well sexually, but maybe sometimes it's just sexually, but I think emotions are always. Yeah. Crazy. They're always mixed. If there wasn't there. an emotional disconnect. There probably wouldn't be any physical disconnect. Yes, that's right? true. Um, that's settled. Anyways. <laughs> so there's just some like, some like little moments in there and. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think right now, sometimes I just feel like, I don't know. So are you For, saying like when it's bad, sometimes you can be like, we didn't have any, we didn't actually conquer any of that ground or is this ever going to be it better? Feels, you, I think you said the words, like, it feels like we're at back at ground zero. Yeah. Right. I, would, I would say, yeah, definitely. It feels like those messages, those like fear things, those like negative things in my head are like, Oh, we're like, I'm never going to like, meet that standard. I'm never going to whatever. Right. You know, the, the never and always statements that run through your brain, you know, I always tell my kids, we don't say always or never in this family. And then I'll be like, Oh, except in my head (laughs) regarding (laughs) sex. (laughs) My kids call me on it all the time. It's, it's totally. And like, uh, I think I said this before, but in a, it's a childlike emotion. And we, you know, Laura Duncan, she's a counselor in town. Um, Mm -hmm. and when I've seen her, one of the best things that I got out of that was like, um, that thing that you're telling yourself is a very childlike emotion in that kids think in terms of always and never, but the, that's not reality. Reality Mm -hmm. is not always or never. And those things don't exist. And so when I start to go, Oh, this will never get better. It's always going to be like this. This is a very, like, you're actually reverting to a childlike sense. And it's just, it's not it's not reality. It's not true. So it was pretty mm-hmm. helpful to hear that and go, Oh, this is just like the scared child in me going like seeking solace and trying to, trying to figure it out. But yeah, I can, I can actually find hope in the midst of that because I know, Oh, there's no such thing as never. There's no such thing as always like there's, a, there's hope. I know that sometimes when we've hit our like reoccurring fights or, just pain points that we've experienced before too. Like it's been interesting because we haven't always solved them when they've come up, but now as they come up and I feel like, I don't know, like I think I've got been on a journey of getting rid of always and never. It feels less scary. Like I think less like high, our, stakes. high stakes, like we're going to be broken or like this is, this is it. Or I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think sometimes mm. I thought like I would be like, is this the end? Like if we couldn't solve this and realizing like, (laughs) oh no, like, don't I give, can I give us grace to like figure this out and like be on in process or a journey and it not be as high stakes that we don't solve it immediately. What are you guys doing these days? Like business work wise, how, how are things different? Cause I assume you're not running ice cream shops in the U S well, they actually, you assumed incorrectly, (gasps) sir. What? Yeah. Yeah, So we're just, we're just opening our first shop here. Um, it, hopefully it'll be open in the next month. I'm building a 
mini ice cream factory out of a shipping container right now. Oh, wow. You got to follow my name. Inst- okay, what is your Instagram handle that they can follow this? Can you it's, spell it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like and follow. Me. Like for like, guys. We'll follow back. Um, it's it's Basame ATX. So that's like the same. <laughs> we make fun of it because here in Austin – um, a lot of the like Latin street names, they just like chop them up and, and make them real gringo. Um, so oh, like okay. Menchaca is Manchac <laughs> <laughs> and Guadalupe is Guadalupe. Guadalupe. Oh, that's Guadalupe. So- <laughs> and so, so we're, we're basically, which means kiss me in Spanish, yeah. but the actual letters are the word B and then same. And so people will call us. I'm like calling vendors and they're like, Hey, uh, I'm looking for Ben from B same. <laughs> My, oh God. I had a I had a guy that was like hand on beside. forward emoji, forehead emoji. It was like all drawled out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What's your whole handle? So we're, Basame. Basame. B-E-S-A-M-E and then ATX. Okay. ATX. Basame, ATX. ATX is Austin. Austin, Texas. Oh, Austin, okay. Texas. Yeah. ATX. So question, so, being in a pressure cooker again, so you did this already <laughs> once, how has it been different? Like, has it been better? I mean, you could say no, like I'm sure days you've done better or worse, but like now having like the tools that you didn't have back then as life's pressure has increased once again. I think that was part of my spiral today was recognizing that it felt really similar. Mm, that's hard. And that was. Wait, wait, wait. Did you guys hear that? He did that. You did the thing where you went, mm, it's hard, but it was intrinsic. <laughs> like you weren't like, yeah, yeah, that was cool. I would love to hear what <laughs> your awkward sex story is for us. Yes, please. Oh gosh. All right. So we got one. We probably have a million of them, but the yeah, one that feels like the biggest deal yeah. was early on in our marriage. We had, mm. we were newly married, um, back from our honeymoon, maybe a mm. month after something like that. And, um, and <laughs> I'm going to laugh through it, but, um, but I was attempting oral for like, was it the first time? No, it wasn't. Okay. Definitely not. Honeymoon and stuff. I'm sure something happened. Anyways, I was attempting oral and I was b- very new. I very, just trying to figure it out. And Ben was sitting on the bed and I was face forward <laughs> Yeah. and, um, <laughs> And I was uh, unaware of like the automatic gag reflux, and so, <laughs> and so I was I was just attempting to really do a good job, like a, a good three, and um, <laughs> and I instantly, without any warning, just puked all over his penis. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, that's awesome. And then it, it just ended like we did optimal. not have, we did not, not finish anything after that. Yeah, it was oh not the gosh. best. <laughs> I I handled it. I think I handled it super well. Did I was you give like, one of oh. those like, oh, mm, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that probably wasn't some... fun for you. <laughs> no, yeah. I was just like, babe, can you get a mop and a bucket and baby, baby wipes and I'll just wait here. No, we just cut it. She was she she was mortified, you know, <laughs> new, newly married. And I was uh, like, oh, maybe that position is an ideal. <laughs> oh my gosh. We actually didn't do anything else that that night, and it, it really wasn't because of me. I think Sheena was just done. Oh yeah, time. no, I, I think you were grossed out too. I would have I would have been all kinds of done for. <laughs> 
<laughs> my cheeks hurt. That's the first time I've ever heard heard someone throw up during oral. So congrats! Like yeah. you were oh, doing yeah. an excellent we don't job. Really hear much about people doing oral, yeah, so this true. isn't like a common thing for us. But I mean, girls talk. Okay. So okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You really were doing an excellent job, though. Apparently, you're going for gold. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It has improved since then. Yeah, things have gotten better. <laughs> oh, good. It, oh, my face. It was hurt. like when you're doing a really good job at something that you don't know how to do. So for the other person, it probably wasn't a really good job. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> you were doing your best. Yeah. That yeah. Was a, wow. That's a, you guys, Thank impressive. You. Mm-hmm. And gnarly. I'm not going to get that image out of my head for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, glad. I'm glad that we could be a part of that for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you. Love you. <laughs> Much love. love Bye, guys. You. Bye. Thanks, guys. You guys, two blowjob stories in a row for an awkward Who sex thought? story. Didn't even try for it. But <laughs> you can't plan these things. <laughs> yeah, that was in that was incredible, oh and gosh. also a story that I have since told to multiple people. <laughs> Oh, that moment changes things, I think. (laughs) So I really liked how they highlighted the importance of not only uh, empathetically listening to your spouse when they're sharing their feelings, Mm -hmm. but also um, not being defensive when they do, which is, uh, it's incredibly hard. So this blow up that you and I had four or five months ago that we got counseling about, and I'm sure, I think we've talked about it at some point. Um, it was a blow up because I was so massively defensive and was unable to empathetically listen to your pain and what your experience was. Cause mm-hmm. your, the experience you were sharing, what I was hearing from your experience was you're a failure. You failed no matter how hard you try, you're going to fail. And so I was like wanting to, discount your experience because really I was trying to um, combat the fear that I had failed, Uh, Mm -hmm. the fear that you saw me as a failure, um, which was very unhelpful. It did not get us very far. (laughs) Uh, Got us to see a counselor, which was fantastic. But yeah. Actually, I'm listening as you're saying all these things about what you realized was happening. I was like, oh, that's because you kept seeing the counselor afterwards. Like you've yes. gotten so much clarity and worked through yep. a lot of the stuff because it was highlighted with that fight. Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah, we, I couldn't, I couldn't hear you through my own pain, which I think is why I think you recognize that. Yeah. I remember sitting there and because we haven't, that was the most, the most intense. Yeah. I like, don't think I've ever yelled at you. Have I yelled at you? Gosh, I, if you have, I, I, don't, I think I, don't I would remember, remember that. Yeah. So. so this was the first, I'm like, maybe you've raised your voice once before, but you were like truly yelling and cursing, which is like things we don't do. Yeah. And um, it was interesting because I was processing with a friend the next day about it. And my takeaway, like we didn't resolve it that night, but I was like, so proud of myself because I didn't usually that would have spiraled me and I would have backed down or like I would have been so aware of how big you are getting I would have been afraid and scared mm-hmm. and like hurt dramatically but like I was able to keep myself in my heart like in a very neutral position because like 
it felt like you were putting, I could tell you were on the defense because you were scared and hurt and you weren't being soft. Like the soft air. And then I knew that was, would listen to me, like mm-hmm. who has listened to me was not like present in the right. conversation. And I think it, we just ended up pausing it until like, we talked for a while, but then I was remember being like, we're not going to get anywhere until right. this Aaron's not the one that's like, has the mouthpiece, like until yeah. you're listening and not, you know, it felt like if you could get, you were getting bigger and, because you're trying to I was trying to convince you that I wasn't a failure. And it was cool because I was like, "Oh, you can't con- I'm not saying that." So yeah, that's, that's not even not our the conversation. Yeah. So it didn't feel it wasn't tempting for me to get scared, to shut down, or to get mad because I was like, right. that's actually not even what we're talking about. So I'll wait yeah. until we can have the conversation that, you know, so I know this is about. I wish I would have used all the connection code tools that they had <laughs> talked about like hearing you know oh oh wow tell me more about that you know but i i was actually there was it was a pretty i had a really hard year leading up to that so it was kind of like i was just in a bad space i didn't have a lot of confidence and i had a lot of unanswered questions um, about yourself about myself all about myself really so that was and that was just fuel that was like what you heard was someone else confirming like, Hey, you're not like yeah, all those things all you've been th- scared of maybe are true. I'm now saying are true. Yeah. And I so wasn't. Somebody once said the moment you take a, uh, an objective statement that somebody says and turn it into a value statement about yourself, you, there's a good indication that there's something going on below. There's pain below the surface. Give me an example. Break that down. Um, like, so Justin and Abby are our friends uh, that have a podcast called the the connected life. Just a okay. little plug for them. Great. Um, they, I remember when Justin first started doing his like life consulting and meeting with people and like doing that for a living. And you were so excited for him and proud of him. And you were telling me, oh man, Justin's killing it right now. He's doing this. And it was something that I, at that time, wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so while you were just telling me your excitement for him, what I heard was, oh, see, he's doing the thing that you can't do and that you're not good enough to do. And what you're doing is not good enough. And I like, you know, extrapolated all these value statements out of just a very basic thing that you were telling me, which just was a good indication. I'm asking some questions that nobody is answering. Um, like, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? And all the above. I had this moment as we were saying that. I was like, man, it's not that you're, I feel so lucky to have married you. It's not because you're perfect. Like you're clearly, we're all, I'm we're clearly talking about, so screwed up. <laughs> no, I mean, we've talked so much about different things we've had to work through. But I think what I feel so lucky is that I chose a man who's willing to face shit and actually work on it and grow past it and figure out why it's there and not, not settle for it staying there. And I'm like, it makes me not afraid of what we face because I know that tenacity to grow and become better and not be limited by your dysfunction will always be there, regardless of what the dis- you know, whatever it is, external pressures or. Thanks, babe. I feel the same way about you. You're, oh. uh, especially with just being in a group where guys are working on themselves constantly, and it's not always happening on the other end of their marriage. Um, one, because they don't have the infrastructure or know how, but two, they may, just may not be willing. And so, oh, you mean the wi- when the wives, wives are working yeah, sorry, stuff. Okay. yeah. But I'm just so thankful that you, um, one, you are really good at taking ownership for your own stuff. Like that is my thing that I love. That I just feel like I could brag about you forever, and mm-hmm. that I've 
no matter who I've ever looked at, any other wife I've ever looked at, <laughs> I've always thought, nope, nope, I would totally choose Jenna. <laughs> we play that game sometimes where we're like, could you be married to so-and-so? I'll be like, never. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've got, we've said like, no, I, I think I could do, I'd be married to this one person. One time, one of Aaron's friends told him, I wouldn't kill myself if I was married to Jenna. <laughs> was like, She's like, thanks. Wow. That's high a- praise. <laughs> I'm a step above suicide. I'm so happy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh gosh, we divert. We were we were like really kind words, and then it got really weird at the end there. But yeah, so Ben and Gina, Ben and Gina. Wow. Ben and Gina. Ben and Sheena George. I'm just really thankful for them, and it was. I hope all the audio works out. I still at this point oh, yeah, don't even know, but it probably one. did. By the end, by now, they've gotten to this point and they're like, yeah, it's fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> so anyways, the experiment um, this time. Ooh, what is it? Try listening to your spouse. So you're just, and I want to say, you're just experimenting here. Just give it a try. See what happens. <laughs> try listening to your spouse when they share something emotional and use only these phrases. Oh, hmm, tell me more about that. Literally nothing else. Just empathetic noises and curiosity. Like, tell me more about that. I want to hear your experience. It was funny because Ben had said, like, listen, you do it naturally to your kids. So then I started listening. I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally do it to our four. And yeah, yeah, all the time. It's so natural. It works so good. And so, you know, Wesley, um, our two year old, was like, crying in the other room like what's wrong and he came running to me he doesn't quite have the words and i'm like oh and i have no idea what he's actually saying but i'm like oh bubba oh oh i'm so sorry that sounds like it hurt and he's like yeah and then turns around and walks out and he's totally fine he just needed that little moment of empathy and go like oh i'm not alone in my little pain that i felt and Mm. i'm gonna be fine now so do those magic voodoo tricks <laughs> on your spouse. <laughs> also challenging the, the idea that it's experiment means you're probably going to have to do a couple different rounds of it before it works yeah, well. Yeah, you're probably going to fail. So don't think that the tool's failing you if it doesn't work the first time. Maybe it's the implementation of the yeah. <laughs> experiment. That would be a solid user error <laughs> if you were practicing empathetic words. and no. Your spouse got more mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So give that a try. Oh my gosh, yes. I love you, Aaron Zint. I love you, Jenna Marie Zint. Oh, do you love me more because he's my middle name? Is that the implication? There's just more of you to love. Oh. <laughs> not, oh, not wow. a fat joke. I was going to say, <laughs> we can't leave it there. Okay. All right. Love you. Love you. <laughs>